Welcome to the Global Careers Podcast, sponsored by GW Cyber, the source for inspiring stories from seasoned professionals who have embraced a global role and reaped the benefits. We offer practical advice and insider tips across a broad swath of industries and fields around the world. You know, whether or not you've considered moving abroad or taking on an international role, globalization will impact your career. So join us for a lively discussion as we explore what an international career really means. My name is Stacey nevadomsky Burdan, and I'll be your host. In season four, we travel around the world exploring what it's like working abroad in some of the hottest industries and best countries for advancing your career. Come with us as we journey through rich and diverse cultures and deepen our understanding of the expat experience. Today, we're heading to the United Arab Emirates to hear from Brian Lott, Chief Communications Officer of Mubadala Investment Company. Based in Abu Dhabi, Brian is responsible for stewardship of the Mubadala brand and management of the group's corporate communications requirements around the world. He has worked in the communications industry for over 30 years, starting his career in Washington, D.C., moving on to Europe and now in the Middle East. He speaks French, Italian, and German, and is chair of the Arthur W. Page Society, the organization representing the world's top communicators. Welcome, Brian. It is such a pleasure to have you with us today. It's great to join you. Thank you very much. Great. So we're going to get started with the top question, which is, what do you do? Provide a sense of the the career that you actually have had and have now. So I'm the chief communications officer for Mubadala. We're based in Abu Dhabi and we're owned by the Abu Dhabi government. Uh, Abu Dhabi is in the United Arab Emirates, uh, sort of centrally located in the Middle East around the Arabian Gulf. And I manage a global team of communicators who work both for Mubadala and uh, around a hundred of our portfolio companies in different parts of the world. And we cover different specialties, uh, as you can imagine, internal and external comms, uh, including media relations. Uh, we have a significant digital, digital and production capability, as you can imagine. Uh, we do sponsorships and events and uh, quite a bit of uh, let's call it public affairs and investor relations, uh, particularly in those markets where that kind of stakeholder engagement is important. Mm-hmm. So you said you have a global team. Does that mean you have um, your team members are spread out all over the world? They are. Uh, they're both uh, Mubadala Group Communications members. So we've got uh, team members in the U.S. and in Europe, uh, but we also work very closely with our portfolio companies, some of which actually carry the Mubadala name, like Mubadala Capital, or Mubadala Energy, and they are located, uh, some of them in Abu Dhabi, but many of them uh, in different parts of the planet. And so one thing that that the last couple of years has really reinforced is the importance of staying close to them, uh, using a lot of these new virtual capabilities uh, that have brought us closer together as a team, not physically, uh, but using technology, which is great. Um, and so this is a really, I mean, really interesting uh, career that you've had so far. So much of it, of course, working globally in the communications industry, as you've just shared with shared with us now. Um, can you come um, share with us a couple of highlights? You know, some things that you're maybe most proud of or most interesting along the way. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a it's been an unusual uh, journey. We'll talk about that uh, from how where I started to how I got here. But one of the things as I evolve in my career that has been consistent is my desire to make a difference in in where I work and and how I apply my time. And, you know, having an impact, trying to make the world a better place at a very difficult 
time in, in this century uh, is really important to me. And I really felt that uh, as I started my career in public service on Capitol Hill, uh, I certainly felt that when I left the Hill to go work at Burson Marsteller. And I feel it now in a, in a company that is helping a, a nation that is barely 50 years old uh, try and figure out not just its way in the world, but, but a leadership role. And so that, that sense of impact and purpose is, uh, is really important to me. And I think we'll, we'll carry on uh, wherever and whenever I go uh, somewhere next. Hmm. Can you give us some examples of ways that you think you've made a difference? Yeah, there, there, uh, there's a, an immediate example here, which is, you know, it's a young country. There is not a communications uh, legacy or history that is, uh, that, is, that is old, like we have uh, in the Western world, a, a longstanding tradition of uh, academic programs around journalism and mass communication that have helped uh, people understand what that science is. And uh, here, uh, we've got some local institutions, Zayed University and others that are really starting to focus on what does it mean to be a communicator in the modern world? And for a company like Mubadala, and I'm proud to say that, you know, two thirds of my team are, uh, are citizens of the country, they're Emiratis, uh, and they've really become world-class communicators. And so helping them understand our place in the world and what modern communications incorporating everything that we do today, digital and uh, the importance of language and, and how executives can and should communicate is really new. It's a new discipline. And so through both the Middle Eastern uh, Public Relations Association and through PAGE and through what we do as Mubadala, helping that new generation uh, become uh, amazing at what they do, and they are amazing, uh, has been really one point of pride for me. I think the second is just, you know, I'm an American and uh, I have found that that uh, our reputation around the world sometimes lives up uh, to what we do, which is that we tend to think of the U.S. as um, the most important place on the planet and the the country where everything was invented. And of course, we know that's not uh, that's not always the case. And so, trying to be more global in uh, a perspective that incorporates uh, the the significantly larger countries of population, China and India and, and Brazil, and uh, understanding that there are points of view that are very different than the American point of view, not that ours is any less valid, but that you really have to be a, a global thinker in today's world uh, where information travels so quickly and bringing a global perspective is one of the reasons why I eventually uh, left the U.S. to uh, look at a career uh, internationally, because I think that's, that's only going to become more uh, important as we go forward in, in trying to tackle some of the world's biggest problems. I love both the points. First, the the communications, so incredibly important no matter what we do. So um, bravo to you for, for the difference you're making there. I think that's fantastic. It sounds so exciting. And having a global mindset, absolutely necessary. So what you've described in your in your job and actually where you are right now is fascinating to me. And leaving the U.S. in order to actually help make a difference how did you get where you are now? Well, part of it was was at a young age, and this is why I, I found languages to be kind of interesting and important to me. I studied uh, French in high school and then French, Italian, and Spanish in college. I wanted to you know, apply 
uh, some of those skills uh, in the field of communications. I got my, my journalism degree at the University of Iowa, and I thought, okay, I, I'll go be a journalist. So I interviewed after I graduated uh, with the Chicago Sun-Times, thinking, well, I went to journalism school. Shouldn't I uh, just uh, have my own headline and my own column at the, uh, at the Sun-Times? Isn't that what, what's next for a 22-year-old college graduate? Turned out that that, like every career, isn't quite the case. Uh, that you have to earn your way uh, through the sort of uh, beginning years of your new career. Um, and so I worked on Capitol Hill. And my first job was uh, an opportunity, let's say, to work in the field office, answering phones and opening mail. And while that may sound uh, kind of basic, it gave me a great appreciation for what's on the minds of constituents that are represented by members of Congress uh, who are in most cases also voters and how they connect with their elected officials and that sort of simple process of service, right? Elected officials are there to represent people and to really help them as much as they can. And sometimes the language of Washington DC doesn't really translate well into the language of central Illinois. So I found my first years out of college to be playing that role, trying to simplify what can be complicated legislative or policy language so that people can understand what's going on. And uh, I worked for two great members of Congress who spent a lot of time, if not every weekend, in their home district, uh, in their own way, translating uh, what had happened in the, in the nation's capital and making it relevant to senior citizens and farmers and others who were curious about what is Washington doing and why is it important to me. I loved that, and I that's why I did it for a decade and a half, but I found that the things that I had uh, studied and learned early, which is this sort of craving for other cultures, other languages, uh, to be gnawing at me, and I wanted to work overseas. I'd studied in London uh, for a semester in college, And the best way for me to open that door was uh, through an agency, working for Burson Marsteller, uh, which was one of the first public relations firms that actually worked internationally to open offices internationally. And uh, not long after I joined, ended up uh, being assigned to a big client in Germany. And uh, although that wasn't one of the languages I studied, I felt like, okay, this is a new challenge. Uh, It's something I uh, I like to learn and really flourished uh, kind of in my spirit with being in a new country, understanding the, the way that uh, communications is done in a very different country and the, the communications infrastructure in Germany. And my job there was really at first pan-European and then eventually global, managing a global team for a very globally minded technology client. And that I found to be just extremely uh, rewarding where I was able to to work across geographies, use those language skills, understand the cultural adaptation that even something as agnostic as technology can require uh, for people to understand it. And that uh, to me was opened an exciting door, the opportunity to to continue to work overseas in a new part of the world, uh, which in 2009 became the Middle East. It's a region that's always fascinated me I had never lived here, um, and so I thought uh, I would give it a try. Uh, A former Burson colleague who had worked here suggested I come over and and help 
set up a technology entity based on uh, semiconductor manufacturing. And it was just sort of additive to what I had done previously in my career. And so uh, 13 years later, here I am. It, it, it started as a year-long experiment that turned into something greater, uh, which is kind of typical for me. I, I, I tend to, uh, to embed and, and stay in a, in a place for a much longer period of time than I anticipated. But uh, so far, it's been an incredible experience. Oh, it sounds fabulous and so much that our listeners can learn from. Really just you set your sights on something and you went for it. You did it, made it happen. And although it sounds kind of easy when we look back, right? I'm sure there was a lot of hard work that went into it, probably some luck, some timing and things. Um, but but being in the Middle East right now in um, UAE, what is it like to live and work there? It's uh, probably one of the most dynamic places on the planet, uh, largely because you have a, a, a you know, it's it's not a monolithic place, right? The Middle East is, uh, as as one would describe it, stretches from North Africa to what we might consider to be the traditional Levant, uh, to the Gulf where I'm located, the Arabian Gulf, uh, into some parts of uh, southwestern Asia, and so it is uh, it is as as varied as uh, as anywhere. Uh, on earth and uh, multilingual, multicultural. Uh, what's so interesting to me about the UAE is that uh, expats are the majority, the large majority here. Uh, it's, a, it's a small country. It has thrived on trade and its history. And it is really populated and, and uh, at the professional class, highly so by expatriates who come here because of the, uh, the work uh, opportunities, uh, the high standard of, of living. Uh, UAE has not always been a wealthy country, but uh, with a hydrocarbon-based economy in, in the last half century has become uh, one of the most uh, prosperous on earth. And, and unlike other countries, it is thinking very uh, carefully about how to preserve that wealth through smart investments, uh, through thinking long-term, and really trying to solve some of the world's biggest challenges from climate change to food security uh, to uh, just regional economic and, uh, um, you know, defense security, right? It's a tough neighborhood. Uh, you have uh, Iran to the east. You have uh, Yemen to the southwest, both areas of, of political turmoil. Um, you have Syria uh, a bit to the north. So it, it's a place that has seen a lot of uh, geopolitical activity, uh, to say the least, in uh, the last half century. And yet it's managed uh, to navigate its way through to a place of relative stability, so much so that people are really looking to come here um, in significant numbers, so much so that, that the country evolves. Every six months, there is a new economic strategy. There is a new... Uh, significant uh, pace of development uh, around housing and infrastructure. Uh, there are uh, liberalization laws that have happened over the last three years, largely because of COVID, uh, allowing people to stay and work here. They don't want people to go back to their home countries out of fear of, uh, you know, a change in regulatory policy or or health security, so the country's really focused on maintaining its talent base, uh, really, which is you know obviously thoughtful and and a lesson for a lot of other countries. 
Um, you know, the biggest challenge, one of the biggest challenges about being here is obviously the climate. It's extremely hot from uh, April through the end of September. Uh, and the, the summer months of June, July, and August are pretty intense. There's not a lot of outdoor activity that you can engage in uh, for most of the day. So you have to adapt. And uh, that is, uh, that's new for a lot of people who, who didn't grow up uh, just like me in a climate in the southwestern United States where if you're used to Arizona or Southern California heat, uh, you, you can adapt. Here it was a very new thing for me and it took me a while to get used to it. Mm. So you've described a fast-paced, growing um, economy, which sounds thrilling to work in. What are some of the hottest industries or top types of jobs that are on the rise there? that maybe listeners should be thinking about? So the UAE is really trying to shift away from its, uh, its economic base, which is hydrocarbons, right? It's home to roughly 6% of the world's uh, oil and gas, most of which it actually exports for economic uh, reasons. So they sell it um, a great majority of that oil and gas uh, to Egypt. Uh, they've tried to diversify their, uh, their energy strategy to include uh, nuclear. So there's a peaceful nuclear reactor uh, that just started operations last year here, uh, the only one really outside of Israel in the Middle East. There is a substantial desire to invest, and Mubadala has been at the forefront of this, in renewables. Uh, They started that path in 2006 uh, with the creation of a company called Mazdar. It is uh, one of the largest investors in wind and solar power. And so a great percentage, an increasing percentage of the energy mix here is from renewables. 15 years ago, people thought that was a little uh, unusual for a hydrocarbon based economy to invest in renewables when it didn't need to, but it had the foresight to do so. And now you see the economics of renewables at least on par with with traditional energy sources uh, and the world shifting as climate change really starts to bite and people see the wisdom of the importance of shifting to a, a much more sustainable source of energy. Um, so that's, that's one big shift to diversify away from hydrocarbons. I think the, the other uh, fascinating thing about the UAE is that it's always been a point of trade, right? It's very close to India. It's close to Africa. So it is at a crossroads between East and West and North and South and a city like Dubai, which is well known for um, its, its tourist uh, attraction. Uh, people come here to enjoy the climate during the better months, uh, but they also are home to world-class hotels and, and restaurants and such. Uh, but it really grew up uh, on uh, trade, bartering uh, across uh, east, west, north, and south. And so Dubai really thrives on that international trade now in bigger industries, steel, aluminum. Uh, It is a significant number of ports. So there's a very large amount of port commerce that comes in. Uh, We're starting to get cruise ships, as you can imagine. So the infrastructure that goes uh, around that kind of uh, tourism is an important component of the next uh, several years. You're seeing world-class universities like uh, NYU uh, opening here uh, five years ago. Uh, New York University is a, a New York University Abu Dhabi campus. Uh, the Paris Sorbonne has a campus here. Uh, the UE has its own uh, local campuses, which are 
uh, which are excellent. And you're, you're kind of seeing almost a globalization strategy where the UAE is opening up worldwide, again, to welcome uh, new areas of uh, professional opportunity. And, you know, my boss who started his career uh, just out of college uh, at uh, the National Oil Company is now in charge of an investment company that invests in things like uh, renewables and semiconductors and biotech and pharma uh, and food security. And these are all issues that are opening up countless professions for people who a generation ago thought they would either work for the government or the national oil company. And that's really the strategy of the next 50 years is to try and evolve those more knowledge-based professions to a place to keep people here and to keep people thriving. I have so many questions, uh, <laughs> but um, what are some of the aspects you know, of uh, business etiquette, cultural nuances layered into the job that you've needed to adapt to? Because although you're living in the Middle East, which you've described as as there are the differences, but working and living among a larger population of expats, how does how does that work? What is that like from a you know a cultural cross cultural perspective? Well, obviously it's a Muslim country, right? So you have a uh, a religious uh, appreciation that is important to understand here. There are prayer times during the day. Uh, there are mosque. Um, Opportunities for employees to go pray uh, during the workday, uh, obviously an important part of their uh, daily structure. Uh, there are religious holidays that are obviously different than any other parts of the world, except those Muslim countries that that we abide by in terms of the work calendar. You know, there are cultural norms, how people dress in national dress, uh, which I, I find just wonderful and fascinating and enriching to understand and to understand the history of the country and how it's evolved. Um, interestingly enough, uh, we just celebrated the second year of the Abrahamic Accords, uh, which creates a, uh, a relationship between the UAE and Israel. So now you're having two Abrahamic cultures, if you will, understanding their own particular customs uh, and culture uh, as uh, more and more uh, citizens of Israel come here and are curious to go see the Sheikh Zayed Mosque and vice versa when people go to Tel Aviv or Jerusalem. Uh, so you're getting a real cultural mix. Um, you obviously have numerous other cultures here. Um, there's also a bit of myth busting, right? So not a lot of people are completely knowledgeable about the UAE. Uh, they don't know the difference between, let's say, the United Arab Emirates and uh, Saudi Arabia or Kuwait or Bahrain. And so they tend to see it as a monolithic culture, which it's not. Uh, some people still have the impression that that uh, women aren't allowed to work or allowed to drive, uh, which is not the case at all. Um, you know, more than half of my team uh, are women. More than half the the, the UAE cabinet are female. Uh, there is a significant emphasis on uh, on women in the workforce. They're making a major difference, especially the new generation in these new knowledge based uh, careers, which are which is exciting to see. And obviously, there's a bit of a of a structural difference. You know, what is a sheikh? Uh, why is that title important? Why uh, why is the government structured the way it is? Uh, is it a is a democracy as we know it in the U.S.? No, it's not. Uh, but it's uh, there is definitely a, a voice and a representation for the people of the country. There's a majlis uh, kind of emphasis 
which means that typically the leader hears from people uh, during regular hours where they can come in and uh, ask for anything from a, a street repair to uh, something more substantial from a policy standpoint. So it's just a different way of life and, and a fascinating one and one that's, uh, that, that has really tried to communicate and articulate uh, its tolerance in a way uh, to other religions and other cultures, uh, sorry, other cultures around the world uh, that makes it unique, I think. A couple of top tips. You've given so much information, but if you could, one, two, three quick tips for listeners thinking of working, what would you say? So uh, from a career perspective, one of the things I've learned is to be flexible and be open-minded. I never thought when I graduated from college that I would end up here, but I have found everything uh, along the way to be you know, educational, right? You're not going to, you're probably, especially in this day and age, have a career that's a straight line, like maybe our parents or our grandparents did. That That's the one thing. Uh, I think in terms of the UAE uh, in particular, uh, there is a, uh, there is a hunger for people with different experiences and for a kind of adaptable uh, mindset. It's important when you come to the UAE that you be respectful to the culture. Uh, there are all the things you can you can find in terms of uh, food and drink in the West, but you know having an appreciation that you're not in London or New York uh, or Mexico City when you're in the UAE is important to keep top of mind. And I think just a general curiosity about uh, about the country and its role in the world is really important for anyone who's interested in coming here and looking for a career here. So, what are some of the other challenges you've seen in not only where you're working now, but but a around the world, working internationally? You're far away from your family. That's a big challenge. My parents are still, uh, they're, they're older, but they're still uh, healthy and, and uh, contributing to my joy on a weekly basis. Although uh, I don't get to see them as often as I'd like, I do get to, to Skype or Zoom with them on the weekend. So that's, that's great, but I'm not physically near them to help if they need anything. So that's one challenge. Uh, sometimes after, especially after 13 years away from the U.S., I'm starting to wonder where home is exactly and what does home mean? Um, I'm an American citizen still and proud of it, but is that home or is this home? Or, you know, I've got a, a, a wife and two boys. Uh, where do they call home? So that's, uh, that's an interesting dilemma that many expats have after they've been out of the country for a while. And uh, there, there are small things, right? Like I've, I completely lose touch and I shouldn't with, uh, who's the best football team or who's the best uh, baseball team and who's ahead, you know, silly stuff that, that I wouldn't even think twice about were I in a U.S. city. But here I've shifted my weekend viewing uh, allegiance to the Premier League, uh, to soccer. Uh, and so, you know, I'm much more able to tell you where Man City is in the Premier League table than I am uh, the St. Louis Cardinals. Of course, and as it should be. Um mm -hmm. Um, taking a step, several steps back, um, what do you see on the horizon that those people entering the workforce or even new to the workforce need to be aware of and prepare for? I think uh, there's there's one thing that's going to sound counterintuitive, which is that uh, in, in all my years, what is still true today is, is as true as when I graduated from university, and that is good writing skills are essential, mm -hmm. um, particularly if you're an American, good good English language writing. Uh, knowing how to write well, knowing how to write concisely, 
uh, those journalism classes I took long ago continue to serve me and they're just foundational to everything that I do as a communicator. So that's one. Uh, I think the second is just understanding and staying literate, particularly for someone uh, who grew up with uh, the physical newspaper, that there are different ways of communicating, right? Um, not that I am as knowledgeable as 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 others about Instagram and TikTok and Snapchat and and whatever's next, but you can't lose sight that those are extremely effective, if not the most effective ways to communicate short uh, video and other concise messages out, even at a corporate level, right? So it's just the the pace at which communications is changing is really important, and different skills. Uh, particular in, in, in visual and audiovisual are just going to be uh, so critical as we look ahead. Um, yeah, I could talk to you all day. You've actually have, a, have such a rich, diverse background and career that that there are so many questions that come to mind. But I'm wondering, is there a piece of advice that you were given early in your career that you didn't take? That I didn't take, yes. I had one uh, advisor that I respected a great deal who looked at everything I was doing uh, in college and thinking about a career and said, you're doing way too much. You should focus. You should focus on one language. You could fo you should focus on one specialty and drill down, right? This individual was my uh, classical literature teacher who, of course, could uh, quote the Homerian epics uh, by memory. That is what he had spent his life studying. So when he looked at someone like me, who to him must have seemed uh, an inch deep and a mile wide, uh, that it was just counterintuitive for him that anyone would, would be able to find a career in that way. Interestingly enough, I walked out of there thinking, okay, that's not me. I am not a specialist in uh, one particular thing. I'm a nibbler. I love to experiment. And so I stayed with that. I dabbled. And I eventually... Uh, found a way to to make it work for me. I'm a dabbler. I I just love to do that with everything in my life in terms of uh, being open to new experiences and staying out of it. Other people may have other experiences. Other people may want to be that deep specialist that they know one topic extremely well. So I think you just need to know what works best for you so that when you get that advice, it either resonates that, yeah, this is the way I want to go or nope, that's not for me. Mm -hmm. Know what's best for you is a really important piece of advice because through these podcasts, we give all kinds of advice and sometimes they even seem contradictory, but what you just said is absolutely true and everyone should, yeah, focus in. What is it, what is it that works for them? As we wrap up, because it's time to, time to wrap up, is there anything else that you'd like to add? It's just uh, a joy to participate in, in these conversations. I think one of the things that, that I am more optimistic about uh, than I ever have been is the potential of the next generation that is so attuned to uh, where the world is going and the issues that need to be resolved and are really committed to action, right? And that to me is really exciting. And it, it, for me, I just want to uh, be part of that change and contribute as much as I can and to empower those people who are ready to get in there and mix things up because that's, uh, that's going to save us. It has been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today, Brian. I really appreciate your taking the time because I know you're a really busy guy. So thank you. I loved it. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. You have been listening to the GW Cyber Global Careers Podcast. Join us again next time. And in the meantime, go global.